Amen. All right, well, thank you very much for being here tonight. And of course, I'd like to begin uh, by saying thank you to uh, Pastor Shelley and uh, Mrs. Shelley uh, for their kindness and their friendship and their uh, invitation to be out here for the Fire Breathing Baptist Fellowship. And I'm excited to be here. I, I have my beautiful wife with me. Uh, so I'm, of course, excited that she's here uh, for the uh, conference as well and for the evening that we are here. And I'm excited, of course, to spend some time with my pastor friends, and I look forward to fellowshipping with all of you uh, later on tonight. Well, we'll see. We'll see how, how later on it is, uh, but it, we, it, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to ask if, if it would be okay. Maybe I can ask one of these sessions. Somebody can give me a water. I would appreciate Oh, it looks like there's one here. Uh, can I drink this? Is, this, is it Dylan's? No, I'm just kidding. I'll, uh, I'll take this one. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right, well, we're there in Nehemiah chapter number four. And tonight I'm preaching on the subject of... This water doesn't want to fit in there. Um, I'm preaching on the subject of building and battling. And uh, I'm going to show you tonight that this is a theme. This, this idea of building and battling is a theme that is seen throughout the Bible, and I think it's seen the most clearly in the story of Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah chapter 4, I'd like to begin at verse number 1 just to kind of give you the context and kind of build into it. It's interesting to me because we see Nehemiah in, in chapter 4 and leading up to it. Of course, he's building the walls of Jerusalem, and what we see in how he is treated, I think that there's some parallels to uh, what we have seen with the new IFB, as the new IFB has built up uh, over the years. And this conference tonight, this crowd here tonight is a, a testimony to that. And thank you, by the way, uh, to you for being here and for taking time out of your busy schedules to come out for a service like this. I want you to notice that uh, with Nehemiah, as it was with the new IFB, uh, when things began to happen, uh, first, they, when I say they, I'm referring to the enemies, they had indignation against us. Notice there in verse 1, the Bible says, But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And that word indignation means anger. Uh, the word wroth means anger. The Bible tells us that he uh, was wroth and took great indignation. And then I want you to notice that after they get past that initial indignation, then what we see is that they despise us. Look at verse 2. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Notice the mockery. They're talking down to them. They're despising them. Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish? which are burned. Now to buy the Ammonite was by him, and he said, even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone walls. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. And of course, in verse 4, we have Nehemiah speaking, and he's now giving this uh, narrative, and he says, we are despised. And I want you to notice that first they have indignation, then they despise us. He says there in verse 4, Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity, and cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before, and I want you to notice this word at the end of verse 5, before the builders. 
And the emphasis here is that they are building. They are building this wall. And as they're building this, the Bible tells us that not only did the enemies have indignation against them, not only did the enemies despise them, but then we see a transition. And this is the transition that we find ourselves in in the new IFB today is that they're trying to destroy them and they're trying to destroy us. Look at verse 6. Notice what Nehemiah says. He says, So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. I love, I love that phrase, that, just that phrase right there when it says, The people had a mind to work. But it came to pass that when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Astrodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth. So as they see that uh, progress is being made and things are happening and getting done, then the Bible tells us that they were very wroth. They were very angry. Look at verse 8. And conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Skip down to verse number 11. Notice verse 11. And our adversaries said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them. Notice these words. And slay them and cause the work to cease. What these people want to do is they want the work to cease. They want the building to stop. They want to put an end to it. So we see that they start with indignation. Then they move to despising and mocking. And then they move to conspiring against us, Nehemiah said, in order to destroy the work, in order to fight against them and to hinder it. Verse 8, and to slay them and cause the work to cease. Verse number 11. And what we see in the following verses is the response that Nehemiah now has to take because of these adversaries, because of the fact that they're building and the enemy wants to hinder that, wants to stop that, wants to destroy that, Nehemiah is forced to take a position. And if you're taking notes tonight, and I notice on the back of the bulletin there's a place for write, for, to write down some notes, maybe you'd like to jot these thoughts down. But I'd like you to notice first uh, that there is the position of building and battling. Nehemiah had to take a position and it is the same position that you and I must take today. And it is a position of both building and battling. And what I'm saying is this, that we must, in the Christian life, like Nehemiah, both build and battle at the same time. Notice verse number 16, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 16. And it came to pass that uh, from that time forth, notice the words, and it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them held both the spears, the shields, the bows, and the uh, havergens, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. Look at verse 17. They which builded on the wall, and they that bear the burdens with those that laid it. Notice the last part of verse 17. Every one with one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. And what we see here is an illustration of both building and battling. 
These individuals began to build something. They began to build the wall. But because the building of the wall made the enemies take notice, made the enemies uh, 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 have indignation against them, made the enemies despise them and try to destroy them, then the position that had to be taken by Nehemiah was a position of both building and battling. Nehemiah realized that if the work was going to continue, the work was going to have to continue while they were both building and battling. And today, we must both build and battle as we attempt to build for the glory of God. And you, don't, you know this, the new IFB is not a new to battles, and we have fought and we have uh, had many battles in the new IFB, and I'm not just talking about fighting for doctrine and fighting uh, for the Word of God. Obviously, we must earnestly contend for the faith. But there have been enemies out there who have tried to make the work to come to an end, to try to destroy the work and to bring it to cease, to cause the work to cease. And, and let me just remind you of some of these uh, things that we have done, some of the things that as we have tried to build, as, as, as you here at Steadfast Baptist Church under the leadership of Pastor Shelley have tried to build uh, this congregation and build this church and co-labor with God to build and labor with the Lord Jesus Christ. As Jesus said, I will build my church. As you have tried to build this congregation, as, as we have labored in Sacramento, California, and tried to build the work that's being done there at Verity Baptist Church, as uh, Pastor Thompson has built at, at, in Vancouver, Washington, and Pastor Mejia has built in, in, in Los Angeles and Southern California. As we have tried to build, we've also had to take the position of both building and battling. Like the uh, builders here in Nehemiah, we have had to take a hammer in one hand and a sword in another, everyone with one hand wrought in the work and with the other hand held a weapon. I mean, consider the things that we have had to battle as we have tried to build. As we have tried to build, we've been protested. As we have tried to build, we've been sued. As we have tried to build, we've had our channels deleted and canceled on YouTube. As we've tried to build, we've had our landlords turn on us. As we've tried to build, we've had news media lie about us. As we've tried to build, we've had insurance cancel us. As we've tried to build, we've had online giving canceled. As we've tried to build, uh, Pastor Anderson's family got swatted. I mean, as we've tried to build here at Steadfast, your, your bank accounts were hijacked. I mean, as, as we've tried to build at First Works, uh, they got bombed. I mean, literally, that's like an actual battle. That's like a, like a real battle, like a military battle. And as we've built, we've learned that we've had to take a position where we're not going to be able to just build. We're not going to be able to just preach. We're not going to be able to just reach people with the gospel, disciple new uh, converts, train people to be soul winners, lead missions uh, trips. We're not just going to be able to do that. We're going to continue to do that. But as we do that, we're going to have to take a sword in one hand and a hammer in the other hand because there's a position of both building and battling. We must both build and battle. And by the way, let me say this. It's the same way in your life. In your Christian life, you're going to have to realize that the Christian life is a life of both building and battling. 
You're going to have to build and you're going to have to battle. Now you might ask, well, why is it? Why is it that we must both build and battle? And the reason is this, because when we build, they want to battle. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Do me a favor, go to the book of Psalms. Keep your place there in Nehemiah if you'd like and go to Psalm 120. You probably know this, but I'd like you to see it. Psalm 120. If you open your Bible just right in the center, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms. Psalm 120. What have we done? What is it that we as new IP preachers have done? Because when, when's the last time we protested somebody? When's the last time we stood outside of a building with a sign that says, Eliminate the Jews, which I'm not exactly sure... I'm like, that's a cool sign. I thought you guys put that up. I, I mean, but when's the last time we protested some pride parade? And of course, we don't want to do that because we don't want to hurt our eyes. But, but, but I, I ask you, what have we done? We've started churches. We've gone soul winning. We've trained soul winners. We've preached the Bible, we've preached the Word of God, we've recorded the sermons, posted them online to do what? To try to help other believers in other places, to try to help other people who are searching for the truth. What is it that we have done that has caused us to get into these battles? And the truth is this, we have to take a position of both building and battling, but the reason is because when we began to build, they began to battle. When we began to build, when we began to preach, when we began to reach, when we began to grow, they said, we've got to stop that. We've got to bring that work to cease. The psalmist said it this way, Psalm 120, verse 7. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. We could say it this way, I am for peace, but when I post the sermon, they are for war. And the truth is this. That what they hate is the biblical preaching. Go to the book of Acts, if you would, Acts chapter 7. In the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Acts chapter 7. Look down at verse number 54. Acts 7, 54. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 54, we have the story of Stephen, of course. And at verse 54, he's already got done preaching his sermon. He's preached a biblical sermon. And if you go back and look at the chapter all he's done is gone through the history of God's people and, and he's preached a sermon about the history of God's people. Notice Acts 7 verse 54. The Bible says, when they heard these things, when they heard what things? Stephen's sermon. They were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. I mean, they got, they, the Bible says they were cut to the heart and they gnashed. They were so upset and so angry. Like the guy out there with the sign. <laughs> Every time a new, an, another car drove in, he's like, ah! There's more of them. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they nest. Look at verse 57. And they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. Verse 58. And cast him out of the city and stoned him. What was it that they hated? They hated the preaching. And they hate our biblical preaching. 
And as a result, as a result, because we're building people with the Word of God, through the Word of God, you are the building that's being built. Ye are God's workmanship. And as we build people with the Word of God, and as we build them uh, through the biblical preaching, they hate that, they have indignation against it, they despise it, and they try to destroy it. So we have to take a position. A position of both building and battling. And as a result, we have a target on our back. Look at Acts 19. Acts chapter 19. You're there in the book of Acts. Just flip over from Acts chapter 7 to Acts chapter 19. Look at verse number 13. Acts 19 and verse 13, the Bible says, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits, uh, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. Very interesting how they word that. It's obvious they don't know Jesus or don't know who Jesus is, because they're like, Hey, we adjure you by Jesus, you know, whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of Siva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, because these guys, and look, get the context. These guys walk up to this, this demon. They want to cast this devil out. And the authority that they're going to use to cast the devil is, we adjure you by the name of Jesus. They're like, But we don't know who Jesus is. We don't really know Jesus. But we heard this guy, Paul, talking about it. And they said, we adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And then the Bible says in verse 15, And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And I want you to notice verse 16, And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, and overcame them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I want you to notice that this story highlights for us that the, the demon in this man did not know who the seven sons of Siva were. But he knew who Jesus was, and he knew who Paul was. Why? Because Paul was actually building, Paul was actually preaching, Paul was actually doing something, and as a result, Paul had a target on his back. We talked about it on the Baptist bias just earlier. Show me the movement of churches that has enemies trying to stop them and destroy them, like our church. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't remember Calvary Chapel having just an army of people trying to sue them. And last I checked, they had like a Hollywood movie. You know, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Sh- tell me and show me the, the Life Point Church or whatever. The, 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 the movement of churches out there that, that the devil is saying. You know, you know what the devil is saying? I don't know Life Point Ministries, and I'm not too sure about Calvary Chapel, but the new IFP I know. Pastor Jonathan Shelley I know. And, and look, we've got a target on our backs, which is why we must take the position of both building and battling. On our last attempt on YouTube... We keep getting shut down from YouTube and canceled from YouTube. I'm, I'm done with YouTube, by the way, officially. You, you know, you guys do whatever you want. I'm just, I'm just frustrated with it. But I'll tell you the story of our last attempt on YouTube. Our last attempt on YouTube, I, decided, I went to one of our staff guys, uh, Brother Shaw, that works for me in Sacramento, and I said, i tell you what we're going to do. 
we're going to do a secret mission. And we're going to try to get our content back on YouTube, but we're not going to tell anybody. And I gave him the secret mission. I told him, I don't even want you telling the rest of the staff guys. Because I'm not sure if I can trust anybody at this point. <laughs> and and, and I, I said, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start a separate YouTube channel for every Bible study I've preached. We're going to start a separate YouTube channel for every sermon series I've preached. And I, and, I, and I told them, look, we're going to get a brand new email address. We're going to get a brand new phone number. So I told them, you're going to start a YouTube channel with a brand new email address, a phone number, and then when you go to do it a second time, you're going to get a brand, another email address. You're going to call our carrier and have them change the phone number on the phone. And, because I'm just going to tell you everything we did, because somebody's going to come up to me and say, well, you should have done. Everybody kept telling me what to do. I don't even know what this means, but we got some VN router thing or whatever that told them we were in Russia or China or whatever. <laughs> I mean, we did everything. A different IP address, a different you know, email, a different phone number. And, and we just all we did was we just started a YouTube channel called verse by ver 1 Corinthians Verse by Verse Study. And all I had was my sermons from 1 Corinthians. And we did another one, another one called Ephesians, verse by verse study. All it had was my uh, uh, sermons from Ephesians. And we just went through and did different channels, different, ne never emailed to anybody, never told anybody. We were just putting all the content secretly out uh, on YouTube. We, we got to about 11, you know, because it took time to do this, to re-upload all this. We got 11 different channels out there and look none of them said Verity Baptist Church none of them had my name on it it just had the sermons and that's it and we had 11 of them and in one night all 11 went down on the same night on the same night uh, I'm pretty sure Pastor Mejia's uh, Antipas channel I don't know where Pastor Mejia's at but the same night that his channel went down our 11 secret channels went down, plus our Help for the Home channel, which just had puppy shows. <laughs> that went down. There was a guy in our church that had his own YouTube channel called BBC Music, where he just uploaded music from our church that he started. That went down. All those sermons, all in one night. And I, I just know that in YouTube, I, I, YouTube there's some demon who's just like, Mejia, I know, and Jimenez, I know. Because we just have this target on our back, and look, we just have to realize that the position of Bible-believing Christianity is going to have to be building and battling. If we're going to build, we're going to have to battle. We must both build and battle. Why? Because when we build, they want to battle. I am for peace. But when I preach, they are for war. So I'd like you to notice the position of building and battling. But I'd like you to notice also tonight, go, if you kept your place in Acts, go back to Luke, if you would. Luke chapter 14, you go backwards from Acts, you've got the book of John and then the book of Luke. Not only is there a position for building and battling, but I'd like you to notice also that there is a preparation for building and battling. Now, remember I told you that this is a theme throughout the Bible. 
All throughout the Bible, you find this theme of both building and battling. Now, of course, you see it in Nehemiah. We saw it in Nehemiah. He, he talks about the fact that half of his men wrought in the work while the other half had to fight. You say, he talked about the fact that with one hand they built it and with another hand they held a weapon. With one hand they had a sword and another hand they had a hammer. They were building with one hand and battling in another, with another hand. We saw that in the book of Nehemiah. But I want you to notice that this is a theme throughout the Bible. In Luke chapter 14 we have a series of two parables that Jesus gives and these parables are connected. They have one truth. There are two parables that highlight the exact same truth. And I want you to notice the characteristics of these parables. Luke chapter 14, look at verse 28. Jesus said this, For which of you intending, don't miss it, to build? He said, For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost? Whether he have sufficient, the word sufficient there means enough, to finish it. Lest happily, the word happily means by chance, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. So in Luke 14, verses 28, 29, and 30, we have one parable that Jesus gives, and here's the parable he says, Before you begin to build, make sure you count the cause. He says, he says, for which of you intending to build, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost. So if you're going to build, you should count the cost. But then Jesus gives another parable. Same idea, it's a tandem parable giving one thought with two different illustrations. Look at verse 31. He says, or, he said, let me give you another example. Or what king, don't miss it, going to make war? I want you to notice that in verse 28, he says, for which of you intending to build, we're talking about building. In verse 31, he says, or what king going to make war? Now we're talking about battling. You say, why is that? Here's why. Because the Christian life is a life of both building and battling. We saw it with Nehemiah, the position of building and battling. It's not that we necessarily want to battle, but when we started to build, they began to battle. And instead of stopping the work, and instead of quitting and saying, ah, oh, forget it, we're not going to do this, we made the decision, like Nehemiah made the decision, that if we're going to build, we're going to have to battle. What does that mean? That means that you may be building a church while fighting lawsuits. It means that you may be building a congregation while dealing with protesters. It is the position of both building and battling. But then Jesus says, not only is there a position of building and battling, but he says there's some preparation when it comes to building and battling. He said, which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost? But then in verse 31 he says, or what king going to make war? Now we're talking about battling. Against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000 or else while the other is yet a great way off he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. Now I want you to notice that there is an idea here and there's a point that's being made and the point is this that there is a cost for both building and battling. 
it's going to cost you something. Now, I want to highlight for you just real quickly that this is a theme throughout the Bible, building and battling. It's a theme you see through the Word of God. You may have not noticed it, but once you start looking for it, I think you'll realize that you see this constantly throughout the Bible. We saw it in Nehemiah. We saw it here in Luke 14, 28 through 32. But let me just give you some other examples real quickly. You're there in Luke. Go backwards to Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, if you would. Matthew chapter 16, and look at verse 18. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Notice these famous words from the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 16, 18. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, notice what Jesus said, I will build my church. That's building. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's battling. He says, I will build my church. That's building. But then he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's battling. And by the way, that's the church, our church, the local church, being on the offense, not the defense. When it says the gates of hell shall not prevail against because usually when people read this verse, and the idea that they get and the way that most people preach it is that hell's not going to be able to overcome us. But it's not get the gates of the church. It's the gates of hell. Last I checked, when people were on the offense, they didn't bring their gates with them. The idea here is that we are on the offense, hell is on the defense, and we are, uh, uh, are charging the gates of hell. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. People say, why do you got to fight so much? Why do you got to preach these sermons against the sodomites and the homosexuals? Why do you have to preach these sermons about abortion and drugs and drunkenness? Why do you have to preach these sermons and cause these fights and cause these battles? Why can't you just build? Well, let me remind you, Jesus said, I will build my church. And in that process, the gates of hell, he expects us to battle. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Christian life is a life of building. And battling. You don't have to turn here. Let me just give you some other examples. Jude 1.3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. That's building. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. That's battling. Psalm 127 verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. That's building. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman, this is a military analogy, waketh but in vain. That's battling. I want you to understand that the Christian life is a life of building and battling. Building and battling. Why? Because when you actually begin to build something for the glory of God, the devil's going to start battling you. By the way, the Bible says this, Yea, all that shall live godly in Christ, uh, that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you're building and not battling, I'd be concerned about what you're building. If you're building and the devil never seems to mind, never seems to care, doesn't seem to be worried about you, you may want to be concerned about what you're building. We see the position of building and battling. What is it? We must both build and battle. Why? Because when we build, they want to battle. But then we see the preparation for both building and battling. Remember Luke? He said, look, 
If you intend to build, you better count the cost. And if you intend to battle, you better count the cost. And if you're going to build, you better be ready to battle because if you're going to build, someone's going to fight you. That's why, that's why before you got saved, your family didn't mind that you were on drugs. Your family didn't mind that you were an alcoholic. Your family didn't mind that your marriage was falling apart. Your family didn't mind that your children were uh, running the streets. But after you got saved, now, now you're sober. Now your marriage is doing better. Now your children aren't rebellious. But now they don't like you. Now they want to fight you. Why? Because before you were destroyed. But when you began to build, they began to battle. The position of building and battling. But then we see the preparation of building and battling. And I will say this, that we must count the cost for building and battling. It's going to cost you something to serve Jesus. Just understand that. It's going to cost you something to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And why shouldn't it? It's cost believers all throughout history. It cost Abraham something when the Lord said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred. Did it not? It cost Abraham something when the Bible says that God did tempt Abraham, and he said to him, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and offer him there for a burnt offering. I mean, it cost Joseph something when his brothers betrayed him and sold him into slavery. It caused Joseph something to stand for God and serve God and do right when he was lied about, falsely accused, and thrown into prison. It caused Moses something when the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 that by faith, when he was come to years, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. It cost Daniel something when he was thrown in the lion's den. It cost Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego something when they were thrown into the fiery furnace. It cost John the Baptist something when he was uh, beheaded. It, it cost Stephen something. We saw it already when he got stoned. It cost James something when he was killed with the sword. It, there's a cost to build and to do something for the cause of Christ. Should we be carried up in peace while others fought? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'd like to just highlight for you, hey, it cost Paul something. I'd like you to see this passage because Paul really details what it caused him. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 23 Notice what Paul says, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. When he says, I speak as a fool, he says, I, I know that I, I shouldn't be bragging on myself. And I, I know that what I'm about to say is not, not necessarily the, the best thing. But he said, I, I'm, I'm fighting right now. I'm battling. They're attacking me. And if you want my credentials, then let me just go ahead and give you my credentials. He says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. He says, I'm going to go and defend myself. I am more. And then what he lists for us is a series of battles. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. 
Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. So what is he describing? He's describing battling. He's describing the fact that if you're going to build, it's going to cost you something. But notice what he says. Verse 28. Why? You say, Paul, why? Why? Why are you having to go through these things? Why in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, and deaths off? Why five times received thy forty stripes, save one? Why all these things? And he says in verse 28, Beside those things that are without uh, that which cometh upon me daily. Notice what he says. He says, you want to know why I went through all that? Because of the care of all the churches. That's building. He says, because I built up some churches. Because I had the care of all the churches. And by the way, what he's saying is, while I was caring for the churches, while I was helping new believers, while I was helping people restore their marriage, while I was helping people raise their children, while I was helping people get victory over addictions, while I was doing the care of all the churches, while I was doing the building, I was also battling. In stripes above measure, prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. I mean, all these things. Perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen. The idea is this, that it's going to cost us something to build and to battle. And allow me to remind us that though I'm not minimizing anything that anybody in the new IFB has gone through, we've gone through protests, we've gone through persecution, so have you. But let me just remind us that none of us have resisted unto blood. We have not yet suffered like Paul and like James and like Stephen and like these men of God. None of us have bled at this point for the cause of Christ. Other than maybe a paper clip or paper, you know, cut or something. There's a cost. And I've got to ask you the question. Are you willing to pay the cost? What if being a member of Steadfast Baptist Church meant you got sued? What if being a member of Verity Baptist Church meant you got sued? What if it meant you lost your job? What if it meant you got thrown in prison? Because if you're going to build, you're going to have to battle. You're going to have to be okay with this idea that because we're building something great for God, we're going to have to both battle. So we see the position of building and battling. And we see the preparation for building and battling. But I'd like you to notice thirdly tonight, the purpose of building and battling. Why do it? I'd like you to go to 1 Samuel 17 if you would. In the Old Testament, if you can find the one and two books, they're all clustered together. 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles. I'd like you to find 1 Samuel 17. And of course, 1 Samuel chapter 17 is a famous story of a great battle. 
And it's the story of a battle between David and Goliath. And I want you to notice why, why it is and what it is that David states as his purpose for battling. In 1 Samuel 17 and verse 45, the Bible says this, Then said David to the Philistine, Remember, Goliath gets up there, and he's challenging them to a battle, mocking them. They're all dismayed, and they're afraid. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. Remember, they want to defile. Look at verse 46. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee, and I will give the, uh, the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And I want you to notice this phrase. I love this little phrase. It, 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 it's, 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 it's printed on the backdrop of our, uh, 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 of our backdrop back home at our church. He says that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And the stated purpose that David would give for going to battle he says, I battle for the glory of God. He said, I battle and I will fight you, Goliath. And I will beat you, Goliath. And you're coming to me with sword and spear and shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he, and he will deliver thee into my hand. And he said, you want to know why I do it? I do it that all the earth may know. He said, I do it that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I want you to understand that we battle. David battled for the glory of God, and we must battle for the glory of God. We have to battle for the glory of God. I'd like to tell you about a battle I recently had. I want to tell it to you because it came as a result of you. <laughs> I preached here at the Fire Breathing Baptist Fellowship not too long ago. And... You know, I'm going to tell you a story, but let me just, let me just say this. I'm not going to use any names, because I don't want to get sued, right? I'm in enough, I'm in enough lawsuits, and, and, and I don't want to get sued, so I'm not going to give you any names. Let's just, let's just call this guy meth. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he was on meth, so... Let, you know, before I keep going any further, I do need to read this disclaimer that my lawyer asked me to read. Just, I need to read this, okay? All characters appearing in this story are fictitious. <laughs> Any resemblance to real persons living or dead is purely coincidental. <laughs> All right? So there's this guy, let's just call him Meth, let's just call him Meth Lookout. <laughs> and and I, I get up here at the Fire Breathing Baptist Fellowship and I, I preach this, and, and I preach this sermon, and I'm, I'm just half joking. But I, I, in my sermon, I said, I bet his mother wishes she would have aborted him. And then he sued me for saying that. So we went and got lawyers, and we beat him in court. But halfway through the process, his lawyer left him, or they had some sort of separation. He didn't have a lawyer for a while. So then my lawyer gets contacted by a new lawyer, but this, this new lawyer, it's a lady lawyer, she has the same last name. Lookout. 
And, you know, it's like a relative of his. And, and depending on who you ask, because I got different answers from different people, some people said it was his aunt, other people said it was his mother. For the purposes of this story, it's going to be his mother. <laughs> because I just, I, just love, I just love to think. You say, well, what did this new lady lawyer with the same last name as Meth Lookout, what, what did she come in to do? She came in to broker a deal where Meth Lookout wrote Verity Baptist Church a check for $10,000 to settle the lawsuit that he brought against us. And I just think it's poetic justice that I got up and said, I bet your mother wishes she would have aborted you. He sues me for saying that. And then his mother has to broker a deal where he pays me $10,000 to settle the lawsuit. And look, there are two takeaways from that story that I can see. One takeaway is this. If she hadn't wished she'd aborted you before, she definitely does not. And... And the other takeaway is this. That's God. I mean, you can't even make that up, although I did for legal purposes. I mean, I, I, I look at the story and I think to myself, I got up and said, I bet your mom wishes she aborted you. Then your mom has to broker a deal where you pay me $10,000. And I think to myself, to God be the glory. Amen. You say, why do we battle? We battle for the glory of God. Because when we fight, because when we build, and when we battle, you know who gets the glory? God does. They say it's bad publicity. It's all good publicity. Anytime the word of God is preached, anytime clips of preaching are put throughout the internet and throughout the media and throughout the news, hey, God gets the glory. You say, why do we fight? We fight for the glory of God that all the earth may know. That's why we battle. We see the position for building and battling. We see the preparation for building and battling. We see the purpose for building and battling. You say, why do we build? Why do we battle? Why do we go to war? Why do we fight the giants? That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I love that little phrase. It's near and dear to my heart because it's, like I said, printed on the backdrop of our church that all the earth may know. But I want you to notice, it's interesting, you're there in 1 Samuel, go to 1 Kings if you would. Pass 2 Samuel into 1 Kings. I want you to notice that this phrase is used pretty much again, several years later. Not by David, but by his son Solomon. David said that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Solomon said something it's very similar. I mean, it's obvious that he's quoting his father. He probably grew up hearing the story of David and Goliath. The difference is that when David said that all the earth may know, David said it after he had, uh, right before he went to battle. When Solomon said it, he said it right after he had done building. 1 Kings 8, look at verse 54. 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 54, we have the story of the dedication of the temple. Solomon has built this great temple for God, this house for God. In 1 Kings 8 and verse 54, the Bible says, And it was so, 
that when Solomon had made an end of praying, all this prayer, and we, if you look at the passage, the, the verses leading up to this, we have this great dedicatory prayer from, uh, uh, from Solomon for the temple. The Bible says that when Solomon had made an end of praying all this prayer and supplication unto the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord, from kneeling on his knees with his hands uh, spread up to heaven. Look at verse 59. And let these my words wherewith I have made, this is Solomon speaking, made supplication before the Lord, be nigh unto the Lord our God day and night, that he may, uh, that he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel at all times as the matter shall require. Verse 60, notice what he says. He says that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. It's, just, it's interesting to me, and again, I'm highlighting for you that this is a theme throughout the Bible, building and battling. We see Nehemiah saying we have to both build and battle. With one hand we build, with another hand we battle. We see it with the parable of Jesus. He says you better count the cost before you build, and you better count the cost before you go to war and before you battle. We see it throughout the Bible, and here we see David. He goes to battle, and he says that all the earth may know. And we see Solomon. He builds, and he says that all the people of the earth may know. There is the Lord God, and that there is none else. This is why we build in battle. This is why you build. By the way, we, we're actually building right now, physically building, in Sacramento, California. And by the way, let me just say this. You've done an amazing job with this building. It's a beautiful building. And congratulations on the purchase of this property and, and all the, it, it looks great, it looks amazing. And, and I, I would ask you to pray for us. We're actually in the process of, remodeling a property that we just purchased. And I know you Texans don't like to go to California, <laughs> but if you ever want, I'd love for you to come visit once we open up our, our church property. We just bought this property. It's a beautiful property, four acres, which again, I know for you Texans doesn't sound like much, but in California, that's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot of property. Four acres has a beautiful building, of a, a, a 400-seat auditorium. And, and it's, it's beautiful, it's older, we're remodeling it, but when we're done with it, it's going to be beautiful. I mean, the, the, right now, the, the four acres are kind of brown, but they're going to be green, and, and we're getting these beautiful Corinthian pillars that are going to be in the front. It's got a beautiful uh, steeple, it, it's, it's going to be beautiful. It, it's, you can see it right off of the freeway, right off of Interstate 80. You can see the building, it's centered on Norwood Avenue, which is a, a busy street with Thousands and tens of thousands and probably millions of vehicles that pass by it every day. Right in front of a Starbucks. You cannot go through this busy Starbucks. As you're sitting in the drive-thru of the Starbucks, all you can see is this building. And, and, and we're, we're excited about it. We're excited about what the Lord is doing. We're excited to get in there. We're excited to continue to grow. And we're excited about what God is doing. But can I tell you my non-spiritual reason why I'm most excited? You know why I'm excited? I mean, I'm excited for a lot of spiritual reasons. But my, my most non-spiritual reason, although I think it's probably still a spiritual reason that I'm excited, is because back in 2016, when we had our big protests, we had all sorts of enemies there in Sacramento that said we were done. They said they were going to shut us down. They said they were going to destroy us and cause the work to cease. They said they were going to protest us till we no longer had a church. They said that we were done and they were going to destroy us. 
And I just can't wait. I just can't wait till these queer liberal protesters are sitting in the drive-thru of Starbucks and, and, and they're looking at this building. And they're like, what's going on over there? Look at all those, all those cars and it's all green and look like they got remodeled and look, look at what's going on. What's going on? What church is that? I can't wait till the, the, the Church of Christ, it used to be the Church of Christ building, the sign's coming off. I can't wait till it, it, a beautiful lit sign. And, and, and I just, I wish I could be in their vehicle when they, when they say, Verity Baptist Church? I, I thought they were done. I mean, I would love to be in the car. I mean, it's going to be like they're listening to a Pastor Shelley sermon. They're going to be like, what the? F-? I'm not going to say it. But they're, they're going to be like, these people, not only did they not shut down, it looks like they're growing. It looks like they're thriving. And let me tell you something. We do it for the glory of God. We build and we battle for the glory of God that all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven. We see the position of building and battling. We must both build and battle. They make us build and battle. Why? Because when we build, they want to battle. Well, we'll, we'd be obliged. And there's a preparation for building and battling. There's a cause for building and battling. We must count the cause. It will cost you something personally in your life to build for the glory of God. I hope you'll pay it. Because no suffering in this present time no persecution in this present time is worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed. We must count the costs. There's a position, there's a preparation, and then there's the purpose. Say, so why do we fight for the glory of God? Why do we battle that all the earth may know? Why do we build that all the earth may know? Let me just leave you with this thought. And it's this. We cannot wait until we are done building to start battling. We just can't. Some, some preachers, they get this idea like, well, let me, let me get all the building in and then I'll get in the fight. It doesn't work that way. It's building and battling. We cannot wait until we are done building to start battling. You say, why? Because they battle us to stop our building. And we cannot wait until we're done battling to start building because if we don't build, there's nothing worth battling over. So you say, well, if we cannot wait until we are done building to start battling because they battle us to stop building, and if we cannot wait to be done battling before we start building because if we don't build, there's nothing worth, uh, worth battling over, then what should we do? And the answer is that we should pick up a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. And we should do both. It's building and battling. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for these dear people that would come to a place like this 
that would come to a conference like this. I think because they want to build, they're not afraid to battle. Lord, I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would help all of us to go home after this conference excited to build and ready to battle. I pray that we as pastors and preachers would go home with a renewed fervor to build great congregations for God and to battle in the process. And help us, Father, to remember that the Christian life is a life of both building and battling. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray.